is burning. Welcome to World is Burning, the storytelling podcast for your climate anxiety. I'm Olivia. And I'm Elise. And we're going to talk a lot about crypto today. So <laughs> I texted you. You were like, do you know anything about crypto? And I was like, not that much. All I know is that it's bad and it scares me. So I'm excited yeah. to learn. Which like I was, I'm a little afraid I'm going to be like mansplaining crypto, but hopefully not. <laughs> no, I think it'll be great. I explain it and then go into a million different stories. So there's probably one that you haven't heard of. But should I just jump right into yeah. it? Because I, I have a feeling we're going to like talk about, like have a couple little conversational details. Yeah, let's go. I'm scared. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So my sources are a lot this week because I felt like I needed to confirm a lot of little details and like numbers. And I th- this is a lot of me answering my own questions about crypto. So there's a lot. So I have uh, nature.com, climate news from Columbia, uh, Fortune, TechCrunch, NASDAQ, Exploring Topics, World Bank, the FDIC, Ethereum's website, The Defiant, Bitcoin, Forbes, Harvard, GRC Insights, The Guardian, the Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index, Our World in Data, BBC, an article from the International Journal of Cryptocurrency Research, Coindesk, Investopedia, The Verge, just a little <laughs> tiny bit of Wikipedia, um, because I was like, I, I literally can't anymore. And uh, an episode of the podcast Reveal that I fell asleep listening to last I love night. That. So quite literally just dreamt of Bitcoin. Also, maybe a good episode to mention that we put all of our sources on our website, worldisburning.com. So you will find all of those there because that was a lot. <laughs> yes. It, too much. You won't remember it. Whatever. Uh, edit that out and just say there's a lot of resources. Find them <laughs> on our website. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, so I constantly hear about crypto and how it's bad for the environment. And I don't have crypto. So to me, it's just this like intangible thing. And because of that, it's very easy for me to chalk it up to being like, whatever, it's beanie babies for men. (laughs) And like, we should just like, throw it out. But like, it's pretty obvious at this point that crypto and NFTs and all that jazz, that is not going anywhere. So we might as well dig into it, understand it, and understand how we can minimize its impact. I think of it as like MLMs for, yeah. what's that word for men who never have sex? <laughs> Incels? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, I'm just trying to piss off everyone right at the beginning of this episode, but <laughs> we have just... our receipts, or at least you do. Yes, that is a thing. Like, it's definitely, it can be really sketchy. There are some that are legitimate, but it's also pretty easy to just like make pyramid scheme also like i live in austin so like i truly cannot escape crypto Hmm. um and there was a crypto conference recently and outside of the bar (laughs) that i work we we hosted a couple events and one of the groups had a banner and on banner for their crypto blah blah blah, literally had a pyramid (laughs) on it and it was like self-awareness zero it really (laughs) it really just seems like maybe this is a ponzi (laughs) scheme but but like i i will say like some seems to be legit others maybe not so much um so beware but anyway all of that to say it seems like 
cryptocurrency started in 2008 with Bitcoin, which like it kind of did. But thoughts about it go back to the 80s. There have been several online and alternative currencies that preceded Bitcoin, which I'm not going to go into every single one because it seemed like some were just like some guy making gold coins <laughs> and getting arrested. <laughs> I mean, like you can't just like make your own currency. So one of the more influential ones for how like crypto works today is DigiCash, which was created by David Chom in 1989. So this was an early form of online payment that allowed you to withdraw notes from a bank and perform untraceable transactions protected by encrypted keys. This sounds pretty cool, but David Chom chalks up the company's ultimate failure to e-commerce not being fully integrated with the internet mm -hmm. yet, which like he launched that in 1989. eBay was founded in 1995. And I feel like I hear all sorts of funny stories of like early eBay, like sending little like money orders mm -hmm. and like doing everything by mail, which just like puts into context this like online payment that like no one was ready for. So he was very ahead of his time, but that was kind of like it was a similar idea. Another example is BitGold, which was proposed by Nick Szabo in 1998. This decentralized virtual currency never actually ended up being launched, but people say the idea was super similar to Bitcoin, which of course brings me around to Bitcoin. In 2008, someone by the name of Satoshi Nakamoto posted a paper called Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system, to a mailing list discussion about cryptography. A year later, Bitcoin software became available to the public. So it was real at this point. For a year, Bitcoin didn't really have any value and no transactions. So basically, people were just mining it. No one really knew what to do hmm. with it. One of the early famous transactions was a guy who bought two pizzas in 2010 for 10,000 bitcoins, which at the time of this research, one bitcoin is around $21,000, which is is like a third of the price of or like the value of bitcoin in the past year. Like it, it's been up to close to $70,000. I think $68,000 is the highest it's gone. So oh like crap. right now that <laughs> that pizza would have been worth two hundred thousand, but like little, a little bit rough to to trade in ten thousand Bitcoin for a pizza. But also like kind of baller, great story to tell. Like, where is this man? I want to talk to him. Yeah, well, I guess I don't understand what mining is. Is that stupid? We're gonna get into it, <laughs> and that's where I was like, am I gonna be mansplaining? But <laughs> no, like, you won't. Not to me at least. I answered all of my own questions. So. It literally sounds like monopoly money, right? Like, what is happening? And what is mining doesn't really make sense. So before I get into, like, mining, <laughs> uh, I want to talk a little bit about Satoshi Nakamoto because he's a very mysterious figure. He says that he is a Japanese man, but we actually don't know. It's a, a pseudonym, and it could either be just one person or a group of people. Mm. A lot of people speculate that it's a group of people because the code for Bitcoin is like really insanely good. And people are like, either this guy is like a crazy, intense genius or it's like a mm. team. So which, which which goes into the whole mining thing eventually. Some people think it's Nick Sabo who came up with Bitgold. 
And every article that I read had like three different cryptographers that they were like, this is definitely you, right? You're, you're Satoshi. And they're like, I wish. Like, mm-hmm. no. Basically, this mysterious Satoshi figure planned for 21 million Bitcoin to be released from that like launch date in 2009 over the course of 20 years or so. And he planned for this finite amount of Bitcoin to be released to avoid inflation. So there's not going to be like an infinite number of Bitcoin. It's going to be fixed. Bitcoins would be released in a system often likened to a lottery. So people would have to use computers to mine for Bitcoin or, in other words, solve very complex computational math problems. And in return, they'd be rewarded with receiving Bitcoin as it was released into circulation. So essentially, like, I think it's every 10 minutes a Bitcoin is released. And basically, all the computers that are mining have to, like, solve all these problems in order to receive Bitcoin. Feels like a game. Yeah, so it, it does. Like, it really, the more I've looked into this and understood, it I guess it doesn't seem real like it seems like ready player one or Mm -hmm. something like it has like a very similar like this mysterious creator like makes this thing that people like it just is very interesting but basically whoever does the best and the most computing kind of gets the most bitcoins they're rewarded with that now (laughs) this is what's always really confused me about crypto so like mining the way it's phrased, mining for Bitcoin, it makes it seem like you're like digging around yeah. the internet, for, like looking for these coins. I was always really confused if miners were like creating them from scratch or if they were finding them. But basically, they're in a computing competition for them in this lottery. And as time goes on, these computations get harder and harder. So... Basically, I think 90% of Bitcoin has been released. I think like 19 million has been released. And the last like they say that the last like whatever couple million of them are going to take like like I saw a bunch of places that they were going to be released over 20 years. But I guess like the computations will get harder and harder and harder and it's going to take like much longer Mm. than that. So, yeah, essentially there's a set amount. They're being released over time and you need to solve computer problems in order to what get this is not what i expected at all surprise <laughs> and okay so this seems like some like really weird computer mm-hmm. game right but basically having all these people create these really intense like s- like computer rigs for mining it's not just like this fun little game that this guy created there's an actual purpose for this so since there's no centralized financial institution overseeing Bitcoin transactions, there needs to be something in place to stop double spending or basically someone like copying and pasting a Bitcoin and just like spending it over and over again. Because like, obviously, if you're spending dollars, like if I am like, I'm going to give you $20 in exchange for a pair Hmm. of shoes, like I can't just keep using that same $20 bill because you have it now. But online, there needs to be something to stop this from happening and just generally people doing weird stuff. And basically, like that is stopped by hashing these transactions into, quote, 
into an ongoing chain of hash-based proof-of-work, forming a record that <laughs> cannot be changed without redoing the proof-of-work, which pro- that, that's a lot of words. But basically, in addition to doing all these mining, like computations for mining to find Bitcoins, if you are mining, your computer hardware is also tasked with being a node for doing all these little math problems to confirm and validate transactions so people can't double spend or get up to any funky business. Hmm. So miners double as auditors for the whole system to make sure that it's honest. Does that make sense? So it's like their computer doubles as an auditor, not so much them as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I honestly don't understand how you set up this stuff. But yeah, basically you have really powerful computers and Okay, I I don't know if this is the correct way to explain this, but to me, it sounds like so on like one level, they're doing all these like mining computations, Mm -hmm. but like to do those, you also have to do all these little audit things. And to me, the proof of works, it sounds like so there's like it's like a little sandwich of math problems Mm -hmm. that like lock around a transaction. And in order to like go back and like delete that transaction or like change it or like basically take that coin back or whatever. You would need to like undo those little math problems surrounding the the transaction mm. and like everyone would be able to tell and everyone would notice it and be like, no, that's not legit. Does it makes make sense, sense to me, although it's all of this stuff just sounds like science fiction to me. And I'm like, this yeah, isn't the basic HTML <laughs> that I know like what's happening. <laughs> so so that's basically what's happening. And it obviously takes a lot of energy but it makes a lot or it seems more justified at least that like mining is also making the entire system function as a trustworthy currency even if it's a volatile currency mm-hmm. in terms of value like that's what's making it function it's not just people spending a weird amount of money to like or money and energy to like find and receive bitcoin I don't know. So like that kind of it didn't really change my opinion that Bitcoin is bad for, for the environment, yeah. but it makes it make sense rather than just like this endless pit that uses a lot of energy for absolutely no reason. Yeah. I mean, my I think my second question is like, why does it have to exist? I get that people want a currency that isn't tied to nationality, but I think partially like it. it I mean, it launched in 2009. And so there was generally a lot of distrust in the economy and like currency and governments and general regulation of the economy. So this is something that like essentially regulates mm. itself was kind of a big a big thing. Um, so like does it need to exist? I don't know. <laughs> but I get why people would want it. Yeah. I don't know. So bottom line, the functionality of mining makes it make more sense to yeah, me. Yeah, for sure. And this was never explained to me until I sat down and looked it all up. Okay, I, so I have another question. Mm-hmm. Like, So I think of Bitcoin as something that, yeah, started off with this very small group of people or like people that are very knowledgeable about, I don't know, computers, coding, whatever, these types of math problems. Mm-hmm. But then now I think of it as something that anyone can get involved in and so 
Which is interesting because originally when Bitcoin first launched, you could mine Bitcoin with a regular computer. Mm. So I think you needed to kind of be in the know and know what to do. But like regular computer equipment, like I could have in 2010, like mined Bitcoin on my computer had I known about it or known where to start. Do you have to have special knowledge in order to like mine it, actually do the mining? I mean, you. I I I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to mine Bitcoin. Um, you obviously need more knowledge than mm-hmm. I have. But like, I was looking up like, why are we mining right. for Bitcoin? Not like, how are we right. mining? Maybe that'll be part two. Except like, we probably yeah. shouldn't do it. Um, if you, I'm sure that there are so many so- podcasts. <laughs> and there's also so many people that have been like telling. I feel like telling me like you should get involved in this. This is like you know, the thing you should get involved in in 2014, 2015, 2016, you know, all the time. And I just continuously ignore it before I even understood (laughs) anything about the environmental impacts. I also think that, like, it's something that at this point in the game, it's more of a financial investment Mm. thing. So if you and like, I could be completely wrong about this, but it seems like people will some people like build computers to do this, which like that is above my pay grade. <laughs> I don't know about that. But other people will just put the inv- like investment money in and like buy rigs, like computer rigs for themselves that are built to mine Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency they're going after. So you can just buy stuff now. And I don't know if it's as easy as just like turning it on, but like there are definitely ways to get into it without having a huge amount right. of knowledge like you don't have to know how to build your own computer so there are lots of different entry points again it was honestly probably easier to do in 2009 2010 like you're reg- you could do it without any more equipment than mm-hmm. your computer but it, i guess it wasn't as mainstream back as it is now if that answers your question yeah i think so but like basically as time has gone on and as it will continue to go on, the computer computations necessary to mine are just going to get more and more complicated and it's going to require more intense, bigger, right. stronger computers and more more computational power and will require more energy, basically by design gotcha. as it gets bigger, it w- which makes sense also because as it gets bigger... As the value goes up, more people are using it, more transactions are happening, and you're, you need more of those proof of works around each transaction mm-hmm. to make sure that it is valid, if that makes yeah. sense. So, like, I feel like understanding the reasoning behind the mining and why it needs so much energy, it's like mining is just basically an incentive to keep the system running. Gotcha. So, anyway... <laughs> That's what mining is. That's why we have mining. Hopefully that makes sense if you didn't understand it before. But by June 2011, Bitcoin was worth around $29, a whopping $29, mm-hmm. but better than nothing. Um, and with over 7 million of them in circulation at the time, uh, Nakamoto had created this thing worth $35 million. But in April of 2011, uh, this ever mysterious man or group of people or whoever, uh, they sent an email to a developer saying that 
he had moved on to other things. And aside from a few people who have maybe like claimed to be him or people who have had hunches about who he is, like asking like, hey, are you Nakamoto? Like we've not heard from him since April 2011. (laughs) Yeah, just completely disappeared, which adds to the science fiction, like weird, like this sounds like a book. Yeah. Thing. And it makes me like, I feel like maybe a person to have created something like this, they're just like such an eccentric person. And maybe they didn't, either they knew it was going to succeed Mm -hmm. or they just did it as an experiment and they did such a good job with it that it just like blew up. I wonder if there's a bigger plan for it or. Well, people create mythologies around stuff like that when they don't have anything else to go off of. Yeah, or. Or maybe the disappearing is like almost like literally creating a religion right. around this thing of this like mysterious creator and like like there's just this like the way like he coded trust and faith into this currency and then disappeared and like right, right. and it, would it have as much value now today if that hadn't happened I don't know because there's n- yeah or if he came forward and like. I, and I think he does have a, a good share of mm-hmm. Bitcoin. But yeah, like, would it be as legit seeming or as this, like, larger than life thing if he had, like, come forward and, like, profited, act like, socially profited off right. of it? It keeps making me think of the QAnon. Hold on. Stay with me. Ye- but the, there's, okay. like, a HBO docuseries that came out a few months ago. I think it's called Finding Q or something like that, where they, like, try to trace back the origins of Q and QAnon on 4chan and 8chan, which is like, okay, goes way, way back. And they like kind of reach this certain source, but there's all of these theories about who is actually Q. And as we unfortunately mm-hmm. know, this whole ideology and religion has spe- like spun off of Q in a way that is much bigger than whoever yeah. or like the group of people whoever created Q could have ever predicted. Um, yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, I can't think of any more positive examples of that happening. But it is kind of, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Like, it's a mystery. Yeah, exactly. So, like, there's an air of mystery around this entire thing. But yeah, and, and like, very unceremoniously, like, there was, like, a, like, a website and, like, certain, like, things were posted on there and whatever. Like, he was active in the community mm-hmm. overall. But then, like, this is just sent in an email to a single developer being like, hey, moving on. And then just, like, radio silence. Never heard from again. Which is, yeah, I don't know. That's just crazy. But anyway, over the next, like, six-ish years, Bitcoin absolutely blows up. It In, like, 2017, huge year for Bitcoin. One Bitcoin hit almost $20,000 for the first time. Um, which like then it crashed, but like whatever, big <laughs> deal. Um, also lots of scams around Bitcoin <laughs> popped up in this time. But like I, I feel like that doesn't necessarily surprise me. Like people scam each other with dollars mm-hmm. all the time. And especially something this like hard to understand and kind of mysterious, it would be very easy. Yeah. Like I I, yeah. I don't even I mean, I believe you, Elise, but like, I don't believe what you're explaining <laughs> to me. Like, that doesn't, it makes sense, but also it doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, 
you could easily yeah. be scamming me right now and I would have no idea because I just accept it as the truth because it's so far off from yeah, what I guys. like think of as <laughs> currency or investments. I was about to say, like, I'm actually making this all up. I'm, like, truly not smart enough to write this. Like, I, I cannot make this shit up. I'm not that clever. Um, so I, I am only reporting, <laughs> to my knowledge, the absolute truth. Or at least as it's been presented by everyone. Many sources. Yes. <laughs> so, basically, completely blows up in 2017. Um still super volatile but i think that kind of like made it like okay like we're talking about like serious thing here and in the fall of last year like i mentioned before it went up to it hit like 68,000 um which is wild if you think back to that guy who spent 10,000 bitcoin on two pizzas like those are like $700,000 pizzas oh boy um and there are also lots of other cryptocurrencies now that are pretty mainstream, including Ethereum, which to me seems like Bitcoin's biggest rival. But all that to say, crypto doesn't look like it's going anywhere, at least for now. And we know mining is bad for the environment because it takes tons of energy. But like, how exactly bad is crypto for the environment? Because I saw a little fact going around that Bitcoin consumes more energy than Argentina, which is apparently true. Mm. But I, I, we've talked about this a little bit before, but like I hate statistics like this or like little like facts like that because it makes it like, whoa, crazy, more energy than Argentina. Yeah. But like, I don't know how much energy Argentina consumes like that does not put it in great context for me as just like a regular person going about yeah. my day. It's like, what was that? Justin Bieber, Despacito had the energy consumption of like a small country in Africa for a day or something like that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which again, like for a day, it's like, it's a lot of like apples and oranges comparisons yeah. for me Um, that I'm just like, okay, I like, I don't know. It just doesn't click with yeah. my brain maybe it clicks for other people's brains but I have a lot of questions I kind of like it because it makes me think of oh okay the and en the energy consumption of a country like what I can imagine what that would be for a day based on how what I know about the like population and size of Argentina like it, it means something to me yeah but and it's not for a day it's not for a day it's for a insane. year I mean that to me like that is insane but I, I get what you're saying too so I'm gonna uh, like contextualize it mm -hmm. a little bit more because my questions are, one, how much electricity does Argentina use? And also, how much of Argent Argentina's electricity use is accounted for by yes. Bitcoin mining? Because it's being double counted. And that also bothers me because Argentina is contributing. And it, but the comparison makes it seem like Argentina has no Bitcoin mining. Gotcha. So that that is just what bothers me. Anyway. So that fact was like parried around by a million little news outlets. But as far as I can tell, it was contextualized better and originally published by the Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance, which estimated that as of 2021, Bitcoin consumes around 121.36 terawatt hours a year, which would place it as a number 30 energy consumer in the world if it were a country coming in right above Argentina. Hmm. So that, that contextualizes Argentina as otherwise the number 30 energy consumer. But otherwise, 
it would be Bitcoin if Bitcoin were a country. Gotcha. To contextualize it further, it puts Bitcoin at roughly 1% of total world energy use or slightly more than the state of Ohio and also more than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Microsoft combined. Wow. That that surprises me. Yeah. So that's crazy. I don't know how much that is, if that is at all accounting for actual, like, if it's energy use or if it's taking into account, like, Google's servers, carbon offsets and stuff. Oh, yeah. But basically, Bitcoin, worse than all of those huge tech companies. And this is just, as, as far as I can tell, it's just Bitcoin, not including any other cryptocurrencies. So overall, crypto is taking up a ton of energy, like a huge, like measurable percentage of world energy consumption. Wow. Now to my other question, since basically Bitcoin energy use, again, was being double counted in because I'll, I'll post a graph of where Bit- Bitcoin falls in country energy consumption. So, like, in the graph mm-hmm. of the top 30 energy consumers in the world, mm-hmm. it's a bar graph mm-hmm. showing how many terawatts of energy they're, they're using. There is a Bitcoin bar, but all the other bars around it, part of those bars also have Bitcoin energy in it. Mm, Does that make sense? Because those countries use Bitcoin. That, yeah. Yeah. Which I wish they showed like the little yellow, like a little bit in all those bars. Right. But that's just, but yeah. it, it's also hard. It's also kind of hard to measure because like a lot of individuals are doing it. Like it's a little hard to measure, which mm-hmm. comes up in Argentina. So energy in Argentina is subsidized. So taxpayers end up paying less for energy. But a lot of people are using that cheap subsidized energy to mine Bitcoin, which mm. is generally raising energy prices for everyone and just causing a whole host of problems, energy sor- shortages, blah, blah, blah. So Argentina is cracking down on that and taking the subsidy away for Bitcoin miners, which seems fair. Yeah. Um, they're profiting off of the energy, not just using it for like regular everyday survival use. But it's also hard to find individuals who have like little small operations. Overall, it's fair to say that a good deal of energy in Argentina is going to Bitcoin mining and like they're having pretty substantial issues with it. Mm-hmm. So um, the moral of the story is I like honestly don't think Argentina knows how much of their energy is going to Bitcoin mining, but they're trying to find out. They're trying to c- crack down on it trying to stop people from using cheap subsidized energy to profit off of Bitcoin. Right. Or I wouldn't be surprised if people like move to Argentina or places like it in order to use their like to take advantage of those policies. That's absolutely happening because on the flip side of this, places in the U.S. and other places wherever are actually incentivizing people to do Bitcoin mining in their state. So in Kentucky, there are energy based incentives for Bitcoin miners that provide for like in if you put in a minimum capital investment of a million dollars, there are tax breaks on top of those energy based incentives in the reveal podcast I listened to as I fell asleep. I forget if it was specifically Kentucky, but the town that um, there was like a town energy person hmm. and they were talking about how they basically give. Uh, energy to Bitcoin people for half price. 
because basically they're bringing so much money into the economy. That's crazy. But, but yeah, like super incentivizing people to mine Bitcoin in their area and use more and more energy to mine more and more Bitcoin. Which on one hand sounds super sketchy, sounds super bad for the environment. But on the other hand, Kentucky State Representative Angie Hatton says, it's my hope that a region known for mining coal will now benefit from this different type of mining. I also hope that it its significant electricity needs will help stabilize our steep residential rates. It would mean the world if our families could save money while Blockware Solutions is literally creating it. So I I don't necessarily think that this like increased energy use is a hundred percent justified, but it's interesting to see yeah. that set up as an alternative to mining. And I'm not saying like Bitcoin mining is like a green job, but I like I and I I didn't really have time to like go into the breakdown of what's cleaner, mining coal mm-hmm. or like mining Bitcoin, but that's just like an interesting shift in the economy that I yeah. feel like is worth note in terms of like energy creation and use. So food for thought, whatever. Maybe that's not important, but I just thought it was really interesting. No, I think it's interesting. And also like I always think language choice is so interesting. And so the the choice to call it mining and then that um places that are known for coal mining are like latching on to that. That's fascinating yeah. to me. Because it's true in terms of health impacts of coal mining and environmental impacts. Like, okay, maybe Bitcoin pales in comparison, but like it's also a false equivalency because they're not the same thing at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just really interesting. And I feel like especially mining, I don't know, it seems like there's a huge resistance to shifting careers in that field Mm -hmm. so it just it yeah again just very interesting and like i think there are ways that that could work which we can we can get into okay but yeah so the u.s it has become this like major player in bitcoin mining um but in the past china has been the biggest there was a crackdown in bitcoin mining in china during the may of 2021 which spurred uh, which was spurred by Bitcoin miners using illicit coal extraction to power a lot of their activities. It was about 63% of their activities that were powered by this illicit coal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Chinese government said like, hey, this power usage is endangering lives and is also super undermining our environmental goals. So it needs to stop. And so like 70% of their total mining capacity went offline, but it kind of just started popping up elsewhere. So the U.S. had a huge rise in Bitcoin mining. Uh, the U.S. global share went from 168 to 35.4%. Um, and Kazakhstan also went up to like 10%. Hmm. So right by China, they also have access to a lot of cheap coal. Um, and Russia now has 11% of the global share of like the hash rate of all the computations from bitcoin mining hmm. so again so like this kind of d- dispersal of um bitcoin mining um basically so there's a cut cut in mining and then like we're, we're right back to like the same levels of energy consumption right just globally. slightly distributed differently yeah 
Um, and basically, this is also causing huge problems in Kazakhstan because the Bitcoin mining is really straining the like their energy system. Hmm. They're needing to put limits on energy use for Bitcoin mining um, just because it's, yeah, like ca- causing shortages, like there's not enough energy. So and I think that that's important to understand because like I feel like it's easy to see the big picture, like Mm -hmm. lots of global energy use, increased emissions, climate change. That's an issue. But it's also causing a ton of like overuse of energy in more local communities. And it's completely like fucking up power systems. Yeah. Um, Like local areas are not able to generate enough energy to sustain this. So it's incredibly unsustainable at a small scale as well. Hmm. So again, <laughs> food for thought. I just feel like it's it, it's easy to gloss over the small issues. Because again, like Ar- Argentina is having problems with it. Kazakhstan's having problems with it. Um, other places are encouraging it. Like it's just it's just interesting how more local areas are responding to this mm-hmm. whole situation. Overall, it's fair to say that this is obviously not helping with energy consumption, very much contributing to carbon emissions and worsening the climate crisis. One study showed that Bitcoin alone could produce enough carbon emissions to push us over two degrees of warming within three decades. I saw something that like Bitcoin has pretty much like erased the difference made by like electric cars and like Mm. a whole bunch of other like green innovations just completely like it's completely like gotten rid of that advancement I guess Hmm. so what do we do about this like how do we solve this problem first and foremost transitioning to clean energy is like number one biggest thing because if we're going to use a lot of energy it might as well be clean maybe not that that's not like (laughs) the best solution but it would make it so much better Mm -hmm. because people this is like at this point is probably just gonna happen and people will go to where the cheapest energy is and right now that cheap energy often means coal and coal is the absolute worst for the environment but if we make renewable energy the better cheaper option that's going to make the overall emissions of crypto way less and way better yeah that's interesting with the kentucky coal mining thing because if then Mm -hmm. people doing bitcoin mining requires more different people to be coal mining then it doesn't help anyone that's the other thing yeah so like the question is the other question is are people moving away from coal because they're like i can make more money doing this other thing and like we're gonna forget about coal mining or yeah again are are they just using coal as the option the so, cheap way to get into this different yeah, thing. Yeah. So people people have said that like for carbon emissions, the like increase in mining in the states is like good compared to having the majority of it being done in China because China is super like has used a lot of coal and the US has like a relatively greener energy mix. Hmm. So like yeah. I don't know. It's not good, but like it, the, all all of the things that go into to it make a difference. So that is a thing. But also, okay, I do think it's really interesting 
and I don't I don't know if there's like bigger discussions about this, but like I would if anyone has seen articles about this, I'd love to read about it. But I feel like there are some really interesting ties between like decentralized currencies and how that takes power away from governments and people in power and then mm. like clean energy, which can also be like potentially decentralized because if energy can be created renewably in communities, that would definitely take political negotiating power away from governments. Like, I think you, we could see that in, like, the Russia conflict. Like, that would definitely affect the U.S., um, whatever. So, I don't know. I just think that there's an interesting tie there. And if crypto could be used to, like, incentivize renewable stuff. Yeah. It's tricky because then it's, like, also privatization of a lot of those yeah yeah it's so tricky (laughs) to I I did a project it's hard years ago on um for my class on climate change about like deprivatization of public resources like water and utilities um Uh which is something that can be really amazing but I I don't know very much about this but I wonder if there's a way to decentralize localize those things but not necessarily take it away from like governmental or like public power yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. It's complicated. It's really tricky because like it that is like kind of what I was going to say next because like I feel like it's really easy to paint this picture of like community oriented money and power and like it gives a lot more power to people mm-hmm. but also crypt- crypto just has like huge libertarian vibes. Yeah. So I feel like it goes from being like, wow, this community-oriented thing to being like, oh, it's the Koch brothers. Or it, it was the yeah, Koch brothers all along. Community or like whatever. Where does the actual money go? To one person or like the actual person that's mining it and it's not going to the public, then like that's where it's scary. Yeah. So so like there's a lot of really weird areas. There's a lot of really cool spaces to like imagine a really cool future. And there are mm-hmm. other places that are like, oh boy, this is not even a little bit good. Right. But again, I think that crypto and renewable energy have like a really interesting potential for to work together for decentralization, but also for scary times. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> renewable energy, number one, um, we need that anyway. Mm-hmm. And if we could use it for crypto, that would be awesome. The second way we can make things a little bit greener is how I'm going to just get NFTs into this conversation. Um, So first, NFTs increase the amount of energy used by cryptocurrencies, both by creating an increase in transactions. Again, every time there's a transaction, you need to have those little proof of work things to prove that everything is above board. Um, And which, fun fact, a single transaction of Bitcoin has about the same carbon footprint as 680,000 Visa transactions hmm. or 51,210 hours of watching YouTube. Wow. So that's a lot of watching YouTube. That's how much one single Bitcoin transaction takes. And also, NFTs increase the energy consumption by cryptocurrencies by increasing the value of crypto in general. So basically... NFTs are this covetable thing. People want them. You buy them by using crypto. That also kind of makes crypto seem more valid Mm -hmm. and more of like something that more people are taking part in. So basically, the more valuable crypto is, again, the more incentive people have to mine it, the more people doing it, the more energy that is used and the more, again, 
because more transactions are happening. So it all makes sense. But NFTs equal more energy. And that is why. But some NFT platforms are doing something cool called proof of stake that negates the whole, like, negates pretty much all of the energy use by crypto. Hmm. So um, the NBA Top Shop, or <laughs> not Top Shop, <laughs> the NBA Top Shot, which is a marketplace where people can buy and sell NBA highlights as NFTs, operates on the Flow blockchain which is arguably more centralized than a lot of other blockchain things, but they do proof of stake, which is basically like when people, if people want to do trading, they need to show that they're serious about it by putting some crypto tokens in the network to essentially prove they have stake in it working. So if they do anything suspicious or against the rules, their punishment is that their tokens will be taken away. So basically, they have to put skin in the game and they will be punished if they break the rules. Hmm. So basically, instead of like the trust in the system being, you know, all these computations and everything, it's people putting financial trust in this thing and putting money into the system and knowing that it will be taken away if they like fuck it up for everybody. This process eliminates the need for storing all the transactions in different little nodes and doing a million math problems. And yeah, it basically cuts all the energy needed out for that. And the really cool thing is that Ethereum, as we speak, is working on transitioning from proof of work like Bitcoin to proof of stake, which is really good. And this is like a pretty risky move because if people do lose faith in it, the whole system could come crashing down. Hmm. But as um, Michelle Rocks, a researcher or a research affiliate at the Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance, said doing this would essentially mean that Ethereum's electricity consumption will literally over a day or overnight drop to almost zero. Which on the Ethereum site, it says that once they fully merge their current Ethereum mainnet with the beacon chain proof of stake system ethereum's energy consumption will decrease by around 99.95 percent that's so like insane. literally almost all of their energy use so like that is so cool like mm-hmm. kind of problem solved yeah and it's not being like, offset too it's just doesn't ha- it's not as energy no you just anymore like so basically what happens is people are putting their own money into a th- like the ethereum system i don't know if it's like a certain percentage but they're putting their money into the system basically saying hey if i doing anything wrong you can take this away th- from me it's like a little bit more like i guess like hey this is my proof that i'm gonna not fuck it up and then or to everyone does be able that. to trace you sort of right mm-hmm. yeah so so, yeah, again, like, kind of problem solved. It still takes energy, but it's 0.05% of the energy hmm. that the system previously needed. Now, what happens to all of the Ethereum miners who are previously mining for all this coin now that they don't have to do all this proof-of-work stuff? Kind of the bad news is that things just got a lot less profitable for them. 
because they're not doing as much work. They don't need to use as much energy. But instead of being rewarded by getting Ethereum, which I think they're now releasing Ethereum in more of a true lottery system Hmm. where they will just release it to people instead of like having it be a competition. Um, But basically, they'll make money by or through transaction fees, which is what will happen eventually to Bitcoin once all the Bitcoin are released. Hmm. All the miners will no longer have to mine and they'll still be doing all this proof of work. They'll still be doing a ton of computations, but they will be paid off of transaction fees instead of being rewarded in mined Bitcoin. Hmm. But overall, this seems like like an extremely happy medium because, you know, it is less mysterious. It is less mathy, but it solves crypto's energy problem like pretty much entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe issues will come up with it. It does seem like Ethereum is pretty low right now, um, which could be because people don't have faith in this transition. But also, like, Bitcoin is pretty low right now. I think Bitcoin's at, like, $20,000, which compared to the $68,000 last year is pretty low. Mm -hmm. So it seems like all crypto is pretty low right now. Um, But, yeah, who's to say what the future of that will be? But from an environmental standpoint, if this transition actually because it seems like any day now like they're finalizing it like any day now it's going to switch fully to uh the proof of stake system Hmm. as soon as it does like it seems like if you are interested in crypto and want to be environmentally friendly ethereum is the coin for you Hmm. one other thing is if like you absolutely need that proof of work super decentralized system that bitcoin offers there is another way to decrease your energy use if you have to use it basically it's adding like another layer on top of the blockchain and which acts as a little channel outside of the blockchain that you can open up with someone and do like let's say you need to make a bunch of different transactions Mm -hmm. for whatever reason you can do all of all of your transactions on an unlimited number and you go back onto the, the blockchain and settle up the net result of all those bunch of transactions. So if you need to do like a bunch of trades or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then basically there only needs to be like one proof of work done instead of like one for each and each transaction. So it doesn't take no energy, but like you're minimizing the amount of transactions done and that saves a ton of energy. Hmm. So that is another way you can save energy if you absolutely have to use Bitcoin. And I will leave one little red flag because beware of greenwashing in cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of claims that say like crypto is actually going to save the planet from the climate crisis and that they're they're actually going to decrease global en- energy consumption or emissions, not energy consumption, specifically emissions, because their plan is to capture all the methane from the fossil fuel production and use that to power their operations, thus saving everyone and saving the world. But that is problematic for a couple of reasons. First, by getting involved in that whole situation. They're elongating the life of the fossil fuel industry, which obviously has to go. Mm-hmm. Um, like, 
it, it just is like it's like hitching your wagon to the fossil fuel industry is not the way you're going to save the planet. Right. Um, second, um, while burning methane for fuel is technically better than having it leak directly into the atmosphere because methane is a very powerful greenhouse gas. It's also not a renewable resource and it's still a source of emissions. So emission, like they might save emissions from happening or like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like they're taking, making it less, but they're still emitting. Right. But guess what? None of those emissions would happen at all if the fossil fuel industry stopped altogether. Mm-hmm. And they use green energy. So that's a thing. And then also my last qualm with that plan is that I have very little faith in the crypto people being able to contain all leaked methane. Like that just doesn't seem doable. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like I feel like people don't really like the fossil fuel industry does not accurately report its leaked methane like. It, it just seems like not a thing that is traceable, like <laughs> traceable, doable, like the Bitcoin people can never prove that they're like containing all of the methane because they could be missing a leak. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't check out to me. So like maybe it's a decent short term solution, but like definitely not a long term solution. And if it's pitched as a long-term solution, then it's like, no, that's like literally not going to work. So the moral of this entire story, very long, whatever, Mm -hmm. is that one, don't believe crypto bros when they tell you they're going to save the planet. (laughs) Two, buy Ethereum if you want to invest in crypto and still be relatively eco-friendly. Again, Ethereum is not uh, proof of stake right now, but hopefully, like it seems like truly any day now it will be. But So once it flips over pretty eco-friendly in terms of crypto um three streamline all those crypto transactions if you're making is, is anyone who's listening to this no. making like <laughs> enough crypto transactions that they need to streamline them i don't know but if that's you streamline those transactions and again biggest thing we need to convert over to renewable energy and okay also so that's basically my story, but I, I, I don't, didn't know where to put this. So I just want to put it in at the end because I've heard that traditional banking is more energy intensive than crypto, which is not true. Hmm. Yeah. So technically, banks use a little more than double the energy that Bitcoin does. Coming in at, I think it's 200. Yeah. Coming in at 263.72 terawatts per year but there are 106 million people on cryptocurrency exchanges while globally 3.8 billion people use banks billion with a b so that's 69 nice percent of people (laughs) um that use banks in the world so saying banks use twice the energy that crypto does or at least that bitcoin does if everyone used Bitcoin and like that was our main thing and then like banks use twice that, then like sure, banks are more energy intensive. They use more energy. But right now, like a relatively very small percentage of the global population is involved in trading crypto, mm-hmm. buying crypto, whatever. Whereas an actual majority of people use banks globally. So having twice the amount of energy used 
on banking isn't bad. So, I mean, I'm sure banking can step up its game and we know that with banking comes investment in fossil fuels mm-hmm. and we can that's a whole other story for another day. Yeah. But um but yeah, I just wanted to say that out loud because I've heard people say that and yeah, that is a misleading comparison. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that. I'm curious how you feel like has doing all this research changed your feelings about Bitcoin at all or cryptocurrency in general? I don't know. I mean, one, I now that I understand mining, the energy consumption makes a lot more sense to me Mm -hmm. because before I was just like, why on earth is it taking up so much energy? But like having such like having actually secure decentralized transactions be possible it makes sense that it takes a lot of energy yeah especially if these are just like regular people throwing computers together and like turn them on and letting them run all day like it doesn't seem like a system that is built for efficiency right so the energy consumption seems more justifiable if we needed it um which that's the question do we need it I mean, it's tempting to get into Bitcoin because it seems like a fun little slice of the pie. Right. But then it's just like it. But that's like purely a financial gain incentives. Like there's nothing really good for the planet. Um, I honestly now I'm I'm interested in getting into Ethereum um, because especially if this is something that gets more and more popular, I think. Like. <laughs> If, if this like flip over to proof of stake works mm-hmm. for Ethereum, like I, and this is me, like I don't know anything about crypto other than what I just told you. <laughs> that is ever, that is 100% of my knowledge on <laughs> cryptocurrency. But it seems like not a bad time to invest in Ethereum, to be honest, hmm. because like this is just happening. And if people are like, oh, there's an eco-friendly alternative for investing in cryptocurrency, it seems like something that could be a lot more successful, mm-hmm. especially with, like, like younger people. I don't know, you know, like, yeah. environmentally-minded people. Um, So that, like, makes me... Because I've been thinking about, like... I've heard people talk about it. And I'm like, should I? Should I just like buy a little bit? Mm-hmm. I know. I, sometimes I feel close minded. Like when I'm like, oh, no, it's bad for the environment. Even though I don't know very much about it. Like I'm just going to cut it off completely. But yeah. yeah, what you said about Ethereum is probably the closest. I've gotten to being even like, intrigued and in actually doing it. But I think I need to see a little bit more how it's going to turn out. Yeah. No, I feel like I don't know if this is like too speculation. But like I feel like if it drops like crazy because of people that were like in it for the original proof of work, decentralization, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, If people drop out and it gets lower, like it could bounce back for good reasons. And then maybe all of us little eco people will be rewarded for our good choices. Mm -hmm. Um, Who's to say? But yeah, I've, I've like thought about potentially getting Ethereum before, but like very like, peripherally like this seems to be what people are doing now like should I um but after reading this and like seeing that they're planning on literally cutting 99.95 percent of their energy usage um it makes me want to like 
back them. Like I'm just looking at it and Ethereum is pretty low. Like it's at $1,170.92 right now, which is like down 45%. I feel like I would say if if you're thinking about it, don't let us like solely advocate for it. But also I think <laughs> no. it's it's like investing in the stock market. You have to always be like keep an eye on those things and also keep an eye on the like company activities and whether they change, whether like maybe they, you know, do something that's seems very eco-friendly and then turn around and like kind of backtrack as soon yeah. as they can in order to make a profit or something like that. So I think if I did ever invest in um, cryptocurrency, I would really want to keep an eye on it. Um, yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, they could get into all sorts of sketchy stuff. It is just like, like what other company has like cut their emissions yeah. by like 99.95% or had the b- ability to like do that overnight. So, yeah, it's just very cool. And again, like there are some easy like there are some like actual easy solutions to things sometimes and Ethereum is doing it. So, wow. anyway, that's that's my take. Thank you, Elise. I needed that. Crypto. <laughs> Should we go to the dump? Yeah, let's do that. What else is going on when you're not researching this? <sighs> Man, I'm I'm a mess this week. I I got strep on Friday. What? <laughs> I woke up and I felt really bad and I was like I think I have strep throat and then I went to the doctor and they're like Yep, you have strep throat. I can't believe it. It doesn't sound like it at all. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm on 36 hours of antibiotics, mm. so I'm feeling like way better. Um, and I think I caught it like immediately. Like I woke up, my throat hurt. I looked in the mirror and was like, that looks like strep throat. And they were like, here. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the doctor was literally even like, wow, this is so efficient. Like, I don't even have to do anything. And I'm like, yeah, just give me those antibiotics so I can get better. But yeah, so I've just been like kind of out of it the past few days. But um, Stranger Things is a great show Mm. that I've watched that everyone else is also watching. So I feel like it's not necessarily worth mentioning. But I feel like, I don't know, it's just been a very fun internet uh, thing to experience yeah i i know people that have been watching it and it kind of makes me want to get into it but i have like three seasons to catch up on and i didn't realize that the the new season was like two feature films basically yeah it's crazy yeah but i do love the running up that hill like i've just heard that in our living room like Uh keeps replaying i have a yeah a film recommendation for you i went to the premiere of fire of love by sarah dosa okay a documentary i actually bought tickets to go see it like two months ago um but I mm-hmm. bought I bought the tickets from film at films at Lincoln Center but it wasn't actually at Lincoln Center it was at the MoMA so I got there like half hour late and the security guard was like kind of mean to me and basically kicked me out and was like oh no you can't come in so I was like I'm going to this this premiere and like I'm gonna be on time and I was um but it's okay. a really beautiful film it's a love story um, told through the self-filmed archival, like 16 millimeter film of these two French volcanologists. So people that study volcanoes. And it's narrated by okay. Miranda July. Oh, okay, It's just like so gorgeous. I've never seen such beautiful footage of volcanoes. The director was talking about it afterwards. And she said that the the way that she found out about this couple was through looking for volcano archival for like a different film 
And then was she was so intrigued oh. by like their love story and like these two volcano experts who who fell in love and like went all over the world um, studying different volcanoes and ultimately died through their passion. That's not a spoiler. They talk about it at the beginning. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's such a beautiful film. It's called Fire of Love. I think, I mean, it just premiered in New York and L.A. on the 6th. So I think it'll probably be slowly going out to other places. But okay. um, it's really like beautiful and magical. And the sound design is amazing. All of it. And it made me want to tell more volcano stories on this podcast. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm all for more volcano stories. Yeah. I think you would um, love this film specifically because they do mention briefly, like, briefly um, certain big volcano explosions that have had like a really big social impact. They didn't talk about mm-hmm. what was it the year with no summer. Yeah. But, um, and they didn't get that far into it historically. But like there's so yeah. many stories there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yes. OK. More more volcano stories in the future. But yeah, no, I, I think I saw you post stories about that. Yeah. And yeah, that sounds really cool. I'll need to keep an eye out. It's for really it. cute. Um, and Yay. it's cool because even though like obviously they're not allowed to, uh, around to be a part of the film now, they were such big cultural figures in France that like their their little interviews are there throughout. So they feel very present. Aww. I just thought it was really cute. And that's awesome. Really nice. That is so cute. Um. And then one other thing that I did, um, my friend Drew was in town last weekend and we went to Roller Disco <laughs> in Central oh, Park. Fun. It's called Disco Oasis. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how to roller skate. And I went roller skating for someone's birthday party. You actually might have been there like seven years ago oh. or something. Yeah. Maybe I, Sydney's I birthday remember. party. I can't remember. Maybe. Um, and I remember I that time I was so bad. But then I eventually, like, towards the very end, got good enough that I could, like, go around by myself and, like, be somewhat steady. And so I was like, okay, hopefully yeah. the same thing will happen this time. Did not account for me being older and out of shape and whatever. And so I literally <laughs> could not. I was, I did not make more than, like, a 10-meter stretch by myself, which is very humbling. So and, like, I, I kind of saw it coming because I, I know how um, bad I am at those types of things, but it was mm-hmm. still so much fun. So if you live in New York or you're coming to New York this summer, I recommend going to, it's, I think it's called Walman Rink in Central Park because you can just watch from above. There's like a bridge and some rocks and stuff where people are watching the whole night. It's really good music. There's like professional um, roller skaters that are going around the rink the oh, whole fine. time. And then they will mm-hmm. like take certain portions and they'll just like dance so if you're on the rink you can go up close and watch them but even from far away you can still see them and they're all in like 70s and 80s inspired like sparkly outfits and stuff that's it's so just fun. great oh that's so fun yeah um so that was just yeah. a fun like activity to do even though I am very bad at it yeah honestly that's something that like I'm I'm someone who like I can skate pretty well um but like I feel like people do like the one thing I could never do I can can't ice skate and I cannot rollerblade backwards Mm. which like I have an uncle who is really good at hockey and he was always just like just curve seas in the ice and I'd be like yeah you can say that like all you want and I really will not understand what you're saying 
Uh, so I can go forwards very well, but I absolutely cannot go backwards. But that's so fun. I, I, I've thought about like wanting to go roller skating. That's just a, such a fun activity. Mm-hmm. And it's so. one of, it's one of the things I've been really into the culture pass lately, which you get through the library um, or if you're a New oh, York resident. Yeah. So if you are a New York resident or you are part of the library, um, you can go on the day of and get like box office box office tickets for way cheaper than what I paid because it okay. was expensive, especially if you do the rental and everything. But it was like a really yeah. fun activity for us. Um, but I've been doing culture passes all over the city, going to different museums and stuff. And that's Mm -hmm. been so much fun because it's like it's free. It's cultural. Like it's a whole day's activity most of the time. Um, Yeah. It's a nice way to get out and see the city. I love that. Yeah. Right now, the city that I'm in is 106 degrees. (laughs) So I'm probably going to stay inside partially because I am maybe so contagious with strep. Uh, and also because it's so hot. So I have two reasons to stay in air conditioning. Perfect. And <laughs> yeah. Should I do our socials? Yeah. Okay. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at World is Burning with no G. Um, you can follow us wherever you're listening. Um, give us a review if that's an option wherever you're listening. Um, you can find all of our sources, especially, well, all of Elise's sources today um, on our website, worldisburning.com. And we're also on TikTok at Rose Burning with a G. And yeah, uh, we'll see you in the next episode. See you next episode.